Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I took my first call to Wausau, Wisconsin, north central Wisconsin, I have to admit I was still a southern boy. And so, of course, I did what any good southern boy would do. I brought okra seeds with me. Now, there's a thing about okra. There are three types of people when it comes to okra. Three types of people. The first type of person doesn't know what okra is. They think I've just said some foreign language. I'm talking about an alien spaceship. They don't know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm speaking about something that cannot possibly really exist. But it does. The second type of person hates okra. They despise it for all it's worth. They call it slimy. They call it gross. They just don't like it. And then there's that third type of person. That type of person that I would qualify as. The type of person that loves okra. And that no matter where he is, even if he happens to find himself in north central Wisconsin, will plant okra seeds. But here's the thing about okra. Especially if you have good okra, the kind that actually comes from the south. It doesn't grow until it hits about 90 degrees. There's a reason that they grow it in Mississippi, but they do not grow it in Wisconsin. Seeds just don't grow. And so I planted the seeds, and of course they didn't grow, and I felt shattered. But I moved on. Now, of course, that also means that whenever I first moved down here, really got down here and got settled and had a little garden plot out by the house, the first thing I did was plant okra. You know I did. But you see, I messed up again. I planted it too early. I got too excited. And so I planted it just a little bit too early. I planted enough to have 25 plants. That's what I was after, 25. But they didn't come up. And then a few plants came up, but not many. Bad seeds. So I planted again. Bad seeds. A couple more came up, but not many more. Finally, finally, on my third planting, I realized my problem. Again, I had planted too early. When the soil finally heated up, I planted enough for 25 plants. I said that, right? I had 47 okra plants. I counted twice. 47. I had 47 okra plants. I was getting five-gallon buckets of okra. It was awesome. You know, when we get to our text today, and Jesus is, is there, it's shortly after the triumphal entry, Jesus is talking with others, he mentions this grain of wheat, how it has to fall to the ground, how it has to die. And we get it, don't we? Whether you're like me and you just have a little garden plot on the side of your house and you're just trying your best to grow okra. Or whether you're a, a big-time farmer and you have, you have more acreage than I will ever really be able to understand. Or whether you really aren't the kind of person that grows anything, but you have a potted plant or two in your house and you're just trying to keep them alive. We get it. We get the text. We get what it's saying. We understand how seeds work. And even though we come from all these different areas of life, we understand it. But we don't just understand it because we understand how plants work or how seeds work. 
We understand it because there's a hard-hitting question that comes right underneath that understanding. A hard-hitting question that can at times cause us to really reflect, to really evaluate, to really start thinking through so many things. And the question is, who are you? Who are we? There are so many different types of people in the world. And so this begs the question, who are we? We want to be a seed, of course. We understand what Jesus is saying. We want to be a seed, but there are many different types of people in this world. Some people rely on themselves for everything. They've got this. No matter what it is, it is only they who are relying on themselves. Even if they're working in teams, they try to take charge and command. They're not relying on other people as much as they are trying to tell people what to do. They're trying to lead people. Nobody else has a place for them. They're in charge. They're the ones that are going to get things done. And at the end of the day, who's to think in their own minds for all the things that are accomplished? They are. And so this is what they think. This is what they believe. And so at the end of the day, as they grow older, what ultimately awaits them is death. There's another type of person. The type of person that sees the folly of the other one, that relies on other people, that relies on their community, that understands that they can't do it on their own. But they also have no place for God. The first type of person has no place for God because that would be relying on someone else. The second type of person relies on their neighbors, relies on their friends, and they understand that they need other people. But at the end of the day, there is no place for God. That is where their neighbors come in. That's where their friends come in. That's where all these other people are at. They don't need to rely on God, they say. And so at the end of the day, certain studies have actually shown that being able to rely on others will increase your lifespan, but increasing the lifespan does not make you immortal. And so at the end of the day, they also die. There's, of course, another type of person as well. A person that relies on a God. I think that's maybe the best way to put it. They don't really understand God. They want to rely on God, but maybe they don't quite understand everything there is to know about God. They'll say that God is transcendent. God is beyond us, and therefore, how can we ever write words about God? So no words of God must have ever been actually written. They would argue they can't trust anything that's actually on paper or anything that's actually said. And so on the one hand, they want to rely on God, but on the other hand... They fear that they can't rely on God because they just don't know enough about him. We sometimes classify these people as agnostic. It actually means that they don't know. That's quite literally what the Greek phrase means. They don't know. And so they rely on God or they want to rely on God, but they don't understand if they can or not. And so they go back and forth. They go with the waves of time and they go with the waves of various understandings. And at the end of the day, we know ultimately what also waits for them. A grain of wheat falls to the ground. 
grain of wheat dies. Jesus is, of course, talking about where he's going. This is shortly after his triumphal entry. He is heading into Jerusalem. He is heading to the cross. He is heading to his death. Jesus is going to die. And he is going to die that he might bring life. It's hard to understand. It's hard to grasp. But it's where Jesus is heading. And he calls upon us. He calls upon us as Christians to take part in that. Not just by coming to church. But in fact, Paul tells us in the book of Romans that in fact, that through our baptisms, the very death of Jesus becomes our death so that his life may become our life. Yes, we as Christians are called to die. We are called to die in a very real spiritual sense so that we may live. In baptism, we are buried with Christ. In baptism, Jesus' death becomes our death, but that also means his life becomes our life. That as we go out, as we venture out into this wide world, as we choose various courses of life, there will be times of failure. There will be times where we think we're doing the right thing only to discover that we are not. But ultimately, we are dead in Christ, but we are alive in the Spirit. It is through the very work of the Holy Spirit that we are drawn closer to God. It is through the very work of the Holy Spirit that we are drawn in faith to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not through our own work, not through our own means. We cannot rely on ourselves, and while maybe... If we're trying to cook something or get something done, we can rely on our neighbors. When it comes to our salvation, we cannot. We have to rely on God. And not just any God, not some, some God that we don't understand, but a God that came down for us. A God that went to the cross for us, that died for us, that we might have life. Yes, we look to a time when we will have life and have it to the full. Right now we live in a sinful world. A world filled with sin. A world filled with death. But there will be a time when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ descends from on high and takes us to be with him for eternity. We say it in the creeds. The resurrection of the body. Yes, we look for a time where we will have life. And we will have it in eternity with him. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.